Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. In today's episode, we'll meet Sarah, a 35-year-old cisgender woman who describes herself as white, married, monogamous, and pansexual. She clarified, however, that while she has experienced attractions to people of all genders, her sexual experiences have been limited to cisgender males. Through her teens and early 20s, Sarah dated much older men. She reflects back on those experiences in this conversation, sorting through the ramifications of her partner choices, including the pressures she felt and how the power differentials in those relationships worked. She's now married to a man her own age. And in the second half of the show, we talk extensively about the physical difficulties she has with sex and how she and her husband work around them. I'm so pleased to introduce Sarah. I'm so excited to talk with you today. I don't know a lot about your story, but what I know, the little bit that you've shared with me is really interesting. So I'm excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Well, so the place that I start with everyone is what is your first memory of sexual pleasure? I think think my first memory of sexual pleasure probably is like from being a child and figuring out that certain areas felt good. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? At night lying in bed. Yeah. <laughs> Do you Not remember? very exciting, but <laughs> <laughs> but very normal. <laughs> Do you remember approximately how old you were? If I were to guess, maybe eight or nine. Uh huh. Did you read Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. I did read that, yes. I remember reading that, and I must have discovered it before I, I must have read it before I discovered masturbation, because I remember reading the part where she said, like, I touch myself under my belly button, and I was like, I wonder why. <laughs> and then at some <laughs> point, I read it again, and I was like, oh, I know exactly why. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> so um, when you were touching yourself as a child, did you come to something that you would recognize now as an orgasm? No, I didn't. Typically, I would touch myself for a while and it would feel good. And then it like sort of got too intense and then stopped. Oh, interesting. So the intensity was a little much for you at that age. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you allowed yourself to go over that line? Well, the first time I had an orgasm was not myself. It was my then boyfriend. And it's extremely difficult for me to orgasm. Oh, yeah. So I was an adult, like, I can't remember exactly, but, you know, past 25. Mm. By the time I was finally with a partner that figured out that. And I had never figured it out for myself, despite... Lots of attempts. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you knew there was something you were going for and you hadn't gotten there yet. Yeah. And I mean, I enjoyed pleasuring myself. Like I, I had a period where I was like, I don't know, I think I was an adult, but I can remember like reading short stories online, like erotic fiction and things like that. So I did 
experiment with that, but I just couldn't get myself to orgasm. Oh, interesting. So that wasn't until you were in your twenties. Let's talk about your earlier dating experiences. Mm -hmm. When did you start dating and presumably fooling around with other people? So, well, technically speaking, I identified myself as having a boyfriend when I was five. Oh, okay then. (laughs) So in kindergarten, kindergarten, um, yeah, my first kiss, technically I was five years old with a little kid in kindergarten. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I always was very friendly with boys and, you know, and also attracted to them. So, um, yeah, I showed my colors at five, I guess. But uh, I obviously don't, I don't really think of that as a relationship. That's just a fact about when I was five. But um, (laughs) when I was 12, I had what I would call my first boyfriend. And we dated for, I think, five days before he broke up with me. That was exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So yeah, I was 12. And I think I had another boyfriend probably a few months after that. Uh Uh-huh. And were you kissing these boys? Yes. Uh, kissing, um, it wasn't much of anything, the first one. The second one, we were definitely, like, going at it, making out. It was just kissing. Um, but he didn't know, and I didn't know, about the whole tongue thing. Uh-huh. So it was really, like, movie-style makeout session. Yeah. When I eventually figured out that that's what that was. <laughs> So it was open mouth, no tongue? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> was it fun? Did you enjoy it? It was fun. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it honestly took me, I want to say I was like, I think I was 14 and dating someone when they pointed out the fact that I didn't use my tongue. And then it was like, oh, this is like oh. a thing I should be doing. Like other people have been doing it wrong, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> so once you started to incorporate your tongue, did it feel different? Like, did you enjoy it more or less? I think I enjoyed it more generally. But I have had a couple of partners that were so sloppy uh, that I honestly think it would have been better if the tongue just uh, hadn't been involved. <laughs> I hear you. <ya. laughs> the first boy I ever kissed, I swear, he was trying to shove his tongue down my throat. It was so awful. <laughs> yeah. So when did you get into your first more, like, it sounds like you were sort of dabbling for a while. When did you get into your first real serious relationship that included more sexuality? So when I was 16, I started having a very unofficial relationship with Um, with someone who was seven years older than me. And it was very physical. It was also very intellectual. Like before anything was happening physically, like we connected as people and there was a ton of flirting. We were in the same spaces and some ridiculous, um, like now I can remember, like we would make quizzes for each other, like to solve, like, English quizzes or theater quizzes. I mean, Uh it was, yeah. So it was a lot of intellectual flirtation. But then, like, ultimately, oh, I guess how it started was I went with him to look at a college that I was considering going to. I guess it's relevant that my parents were very comfortable with him and didn't suspect anything. And nothing had happened up until that point. But on that trip... I decided to kiss him Mm. and I don't think he was expecting that to happen. I think he told me that later, but he, he was excited and seized the opportunity. Um, so from that point on, like we would meet periodically when we could, cause we were not dating. It was just like when we could get away with being together, that Mm. it wasn't going to raise any eyebrows. And that time became very physical. When we were just, it was just the two of us together. So I didn't really feel comfortable. I I felt like I didn't know what to do with the penis. It was like, I mean, I 
I had never even touched one and I didn't really do very much, but he did, you know, he touched me in all sorts of ways that I'd never been touched before and did oral sex. Um, but I mean, we did a lot. So he didn't penetrate you with fingers or, or penis or anything. Um, I think he penetrated me with fingers, but not penis. And so we've already established that you didn't come to orgasm with any of this touch, but did you enjoy it? Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. I really had no concept for how I was supposed to behave when this was happening. So one of the things that I realize now is I was silent. Like I didn't know if it was okay to like make any noises. And now I've become a very vocal person. Um, (laughs) But, (laughs) but yeah, I was like totally silent. And there were some, to be fair, like there were some circumstances that silence was probably dictated by the situation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like parents in the other room kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there were other times that, you know, like we're in the middle of the woods somewhere, like I could have made all sorts of noises. Um, and I was definitely holding myself back from that. So I, I definitely felt pleasure, but I think I was probably like more uptight in part because I just felt like I shouldn't be making noises, if that makes any sense. So I don't know that I totally leaned into the experience. So yeah, I think I was just like totally clueless. I had no concept of what was and wasn't okay. And I also felt pressure given that he was so much older. I knew he was very experienced and I didn't want to do the wrong thing. But I really didn't know what what was right, what was good. And he wasn't, he was really not talking in these situations either. So he was just like doing, doing his thing and I was enjoying it. But there really wasn't a lot of conversation around it either. When you say you felt pressure, it sounds like what you're referring to is internal pressure as opposed to external pressure from him. Is yeah, that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah such an interesting experience to be with somebody so much older and have all of these questions and uncertainties and nowhere to go with them. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened after him? I basically found probably from the time I was 15 that I've always been attracted to older people. Mm -hmm. Towards the end of high school, I connected with another older person, but he was much older. So he was two years older than my father. Oh, wow. And yeah. And with him, I mean, there were power dynamics because um, he was teaching me in the arts as well as like becoming friends with me. And, you know, and we were doing things together. People knew that. For, at first, it was just as friends. But when you like, say doing things together, so do you mean socially to, like, or? See, yeah, socially, like going, going to have a meal or see a play or something like that. Uh-huh. And when did it turn sexual? So again, I was the one that initiated this. So, so. <laughs> um, I think we had just finished spending time together. So I don't remember what it was we were doing socially, but you know, I, we had always said goodbye with a hug. And I kissed him. And we had previously, like, hugged and done the, like, thing where you just hug somebody for, like, five minutes. But (laughs) but it was just a hug. (laughs) So it wasn't that much further for me to do that. So it surprised him. And I I don't think there was much to it. I think it was just, like, I kissed him and then it was like, okay, bye. Like, like, Mm -hmm. When you say you uh, kissed him, you mean on the mouth? Yeah. Not on the cheek? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so then I think the next time I saw him, he had a conversation with me and was like, I thought about it and I appreciate that you're thinking about me like that, but I really don't think it's a good idea. So I was like, okay. And so we left it at that for a while. And I don't know if a while was weeks or a month or something, but so then there was a period of time that we were just continuing to spend time together. But I mean, there was clearly a connection between us and 
I was, I've always been such a contrary person. So things like society saying this isn't okay, to me, I just hear that and go, well, why not? Like, you know, that's how I've always been. It's just a part of my personality. And you can see it throughout my life. And it carried over into my sex life, too. So it's like, yeah, if people say, like, I know people say this isn't a good idea. And I I guess I understand why that's true. But I'm, I've always been told I was born 25. And (laughs) (laughs) so if I'm a really mature person, is it any wonder that I'm attracted to people that are a lot older than I am? Like, it didn't seem crazy to me. If you were to look back now as your adult self at your, your, your 18 now, right? At your 18 year old self, would you say to her, this is a great idea, go ahead. Or would you say to her there, you might want to have some caution here? I would say the latter. I think when I look back now, I see more of like, I see it that it was more problematic that he did what he did. I don't blame my 18-year-old self for having the feelings that I did. But yeah, if I could if I could warn her and be like, hey, I know this seems harmless enough, but it's, I mean, part of it is I've just learned that the complications involved in secrets are not worth it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's a little sad to me that like years of high school were wrapped up in me keeping secrets and, and into college. So how did things with develop with him? You kissed him. He said, let's not do this. There were a couple of months, weeks or months. And then. Yeah. And then now I can't even remember exactly how we sort of got back into doing things, but we very much did. So, you know, it, at first it was kissing and then it started evolving and I had never had you know, penetration. So I, I didn't want to have sex until I knew I didn't want to have sex until I was out of high school. So at that point I still had like a few months, I think before I graduated. So we waited, although he kept pushing. And now I look back on that. It's like, that's not, that's not okay. Even if you believe yourself to be in a relationship with them. Oh, coercion is absolutely a thing within relationships. No question. Yeah. Um, But I was pretty forceful that I wanted to wait. And so we decided to wait until, you know, where he agreed to wait until I was 18. There was a night that I was going to be staying away from home and had a place to myself for the night And we made plans that we would do it then. And I was very insistent that we use a condom. And he started using a condom. And then he couldn't stay hard. Mm. And without my permission, he took it off. No. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So, so let me just pause here for a second, because it's really important for people to hear. I can see from the look on your face that you know this, but it's really important for people to hear that that is sexual assault, period. If you've made an agreement to use condoms and somebody takes a condom off without your permission, that is assault. Yeah. And I'm really sorry that happened to you. Yeah. Yeah especially in the context of somebody who you really trusted. Yeah. And I was like, I'm giving you my virginity and you can't do what we agreed upon. Yeah. (laughs) That's not okay. No. So that upset me, but I didn't end things. Um, And we continued to surreptitiously have a relationship like through the summer. And then I went to college and... I think it continued through most of my first year of college. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. 
Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you. Whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener, I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. After that first time where the sex was not as kosher as one would hope, did it get better? Yeah, it got better. I mean, I learned a lot about sex being with him. You still weren't orgasming yet, right? Correct. What were you telling yourself in terms of your ability to orgasm? Like, were you, was there any voice in your head saying like, there's something wrong with me? Or was it just, I haven't figured this out yet? I think I sometimes wondered if there was something wrong with me. But I don't know. I've, I've always felt like I'm a very sexual person and to feel like that's a large part of who you are and yet you can't orgasm is a frustrating contradiction. I hear you. Yeah. So let's talk about power differentials for a minute. You've mentioned, well, first of all, he is an older man and you are a college age young woman, but he also was a figure in your social community and had a leadership role. How did that strike you? How did that play out for you? I think most of the time it made me feel pretty good to be with somebody that was older and respected. You know, I think, yeah, like there were, there were plenty of other attractive women that he could have been with and yet he was choosing to be with me and um and and he was a really talented person and i find ta- talent really attractive you know so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hear that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so at this point i was 19 then he said he wanted to end things so this was pretty early into my second year and his rationale was that there was a woman that he had met who he thought he could see himself having a relationship with and she was really into him and while she was younger than him she was significantly older than me Mm -hmm. so they still had i don't know 20 years between them or something there was still a big age gap but he felt like you know the people in their social circles would initially sort of bristle but then they could come to accept it yeah and he didn't feel like that was true for us I kind of felt like it was a cop-out on his part because he wasn't willing to try people and say, look, you know, I'm seeing Sarah. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to need to <laughs> need to accept this. He wasn't willing to do that, and yet he was willing to do that with this other person. Um, so that frustrated me. 
And he very much, the way that he would talk about her, and granted, like, this was him, this was what he said to me, but he made it sound like he would rather be with me, Mm. but, you know, this woman's attractive, and she likes me, and she's smart, and Mm. I think I need to give this a chance. So we, you know, we attempted, (laughs) we attempted, like, so he broke up with me, and then... There was a period of time when we saw each other several times where he was theoretically dating her. Like, she believed herself to be in a monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. And he kept coming back to me. Mm. And Sexually, not yeah. just socially. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like, he was the one initiating it going, it getting sexual. And that's, when I think about that, like, he was very pushy. Um, and I allowed it, but I felt, you know, I felt not trapped, but like I felt upset because I clearly wanted to be with him still. I hadn't gotten over with over him, but I didn't want to be with him in that way. I wanted him to just leave her. Mm. So it felt like he was using me, but I had a really hard time saying no because I was still getting some attention or acknowledgement. And I also kind of felt bad for her. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't want somebody doing that to me. So let's skip ahead to when you were 25 and finally had that magical moment. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So I had been with my, with my boyfriend for probably a couple of months, not super long. Um, maybe even less than that. It could have been like six weeks, but we dove into sex very quickly, like within days. Mm-hmm. And So we'd been playing around a lot and I, you know, I had made it clear, like, don't be offended if you can't make this happen because you're not the only person that's had this issue. (laughs) Um, But he was very much uh, somebody that cares about, uh, like, almost, you know, gets as much pleasure really in giving pleasure as in receiving pleasure. And so that was really important Um, yeah. And it was just a matter of experimentation. And I quickly felt like, oh, he knows more about my body than I do. Mm. Like, yeah. And it's interesting in hindsight, because he hadn't been with very many people. I know he watched porn and things like that, which I'm sure inspired some things. But, (laughs) uh, (laughs) but yeah, so he, he just tried all sorts of things. And also at that point I was more vocal. I was more comfortable saying what felt good and what didn't Mm. feel good Mm -hmm. and asking for more of something if, you know, if I wanted it. Um, so I think all those things combined meant that, yeah, at a certain point he was just, you know, he just like took 20 minutes and was just like, let's just focus on this right now. And and it paid off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there was any difference in you? Like, were you relaxing differently? Were you participating differently? You said you were more vocal, which I actually think makes a difference. But what was going on with you that you think allowed you to be in the space to orgasm? Yeah, I think I felt more comfortable relaxing in all sorts of ways. Like, I feel like there were probably subtle ways that I had held back with um, with other people in the past with my body. And he just made it so clear, like, no, this is all about you. Mm. And I mean, and he was putting so much energy into it. So it's like, you know, I owe him at least like doing everything I can to open up to this. Right. <laughs> um, and I remember we talked too about like, I think we talked about like, do when he... Like, when he masturbates, does he, you know, is he just just thinking about the action? Is he picturing people? Is he picturing me? Like, what what's the process that he goes huh. through? And I feel like he encouraged me to, like, experiment with thinking about whatever I wanted. And, you know, and not feeling like there's any right or wrong. Like, I can be here with him, but I could also... You know, I could I could think about something else or or us doing something else or whatever I want. They're like, there's no there's no wrong answer for how you get to. Yeah. Uh huh. I love that. 
So how did it feel that first time that you actually had an orgasm? What was it like? Yeah, it was it was incredible. It's like, <laughs> like, it's a real thing. <laughs> the whole world hasn't lied to me. <laughs> yeah, it was really awesome. And, you know, and from that point on, like, I am still, it's still really difficult to get me to orgasm. So really? it's not like... Every day ever since. It's been great. Um, it's not like it opened up this channel and suddenly <laughs> you're a fountain of orgasms. <laughs> no. Uh, no, it hasn't. But it's it's happened many times. And just having the knowledge that it's possible is nice and gives me, I think, a sense of normalcy. And, I mean, obviously there's a release in that that you don't get otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it's nice that I can sometimes experience that and also know, like – um, so this, I mean, this boyfriend is now my husband. So, you know, I am with someone that continues to put my pleasure first and will, you know, he will put as much time and energy into something as I want. Mm. So if I, it, it, generally speaking, it will be me that'll be like, you know what? Like, I'm really tired. We don't have to make this an all night affair. Like, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> You've given me some pleasure. It, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Because it, yeah, it's still tough, but. How does he feel about that? Because you mentioned he's somebody who takes a lot of his pleasure from your pleasure on those occasions. And let me say that I'm familiar with this because my partner is the same way. And I also have a hard time orgasming. So there are a lot of nights when I'm like, yeah, it's just not going to (laughs) happen. And he's great. He can, you know, I say it, I, I actually make a real effort to say it, not as a joke, but like, sort of snickering at myself and, you know, so that it stays light so that he has the opportunity to also laugh about it and be like, yeah, well, it's just one of those nights. So how does your husband respond on those nights when you're like, yeah, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's similar with me. Like I try to do the same thing to sort of just keep it lighthearted, you know, cause you don't want to ruin the moment mm-hmm. that you're having just because that piece of it's not going to happen. I think earlier on, it was harder for him to accept that. But now, like, he knows my body. He knows how challenging it is. And he knows, like, I'm not going to say that out of obligation. I'm going to say that because it's actually what I want mm. is for him to to not – to let that be. Yeah. And not make that the goal tonight. And we've also – like, I always knew I liked massage, but – because of, and I can get in more into some of my other challenges with sex, but because of all the challenges that I have, like massage has become a real focus of mm-hmm. sex. And he's an amazing masseuse and extraordinarily patient and will will do whatever I ask of him in that regard. So now there are a lot of times that like that becomes how he gives me pleasure mostly like he'll do other things, but you know, he'll check in with me and be like, do you want me to touch you here tonight? And be like, "Ah, I don't think we need to do that tonight. And Uh like, okay, so I'm going to stick to these other, these other things that are making you really, really happy right now. So I I don't orgasm, but I mean, it's an incredible release. So it's, it's still really, really satisfying. And that's like a part of sex. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to echo that. Like for me, orgasm is not, orgasm is lovely when it happens, but because it's not something that I can count on, I still have a really satisfying, pleasurable sex life that doesn't always include orgasm. And a lot of that is just touch. It's so beautiful to feel his hands touching me. Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. 
and will go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. So when you say it's not going to happen tonight, do you then focus on him? Like what's the next thing that happens in that? Or do you both just roll over and go to sleep? (laughs) (laughs) Not that. Um, So yeah, so sometimes when I'm telling him it's not going to happen, then he will shift to focusing on touching me in other ways that Mm -hmm. he knows I find pleasurable. Um, And I, you know, I... I will almost always incorporate, you know, touching him and doing things for him as well into what I do, though there have been times that I'm really tired and he will initiate and I'll be like, I'm like really too tired to do anything. And so it's like, okay, that's, you know, so then he'll just sort of take whatever I give and sometimes it's not much of anything. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he, you know, he will check him. He's, he's so great. Like it's, it's wonderful to be married to someone that continues to ask for consent, mm. you know, no matter like how many times we've done something, he really doesn't assume something. So be like, you okay if I touch myself? Yeah. Are you okay if I put this here while I do it? Like, okay. Or, you know, no, I don't, not really feeling that, but you know, you can look at me or, you know, I'll, I'll kiss you, you know, like whatever it is, he listens and he's right there. Um, So I I do enjoy giving him pleasure and that's often a lot of it. But he, you know, in general, he has more of a sex drive than I do. Um, And I think so part of that is he's like just happy to be connecting with me in whatever way I can do right then. Um, And I also, I have carpal tunnel. Mm. So... I mean, that gets in the way a lot yeah. because it's like, well, like, if I can make something happen for you before I get to the point that my hand's cramping up, great. Mm-hmm. And if I can't, you know, so I'm turning over the reins to you or I'm going to touch you here while you're touching yourself. And, yeah. and that's what we're doing tonight. Yeah. So you mentioned a few minutes ago that you have other issues around sex. What what are they? So I, I have... Um, autoimmune issues that cause dryness. Mm. So, you know, it's it's an issue system-wide, but in particular for sex, it's, you know, it's vag- vaginal intercourse is really difficult. And in the last, I would say this probably started, I think with past partners, I, I still struggled, like even going back 10 years, I probably struggled with dryness there before mm-hmm. I really knew that I was struggling with dryness anywhere else. Um, but every time I was with a new partner, <laughs> all the problems would go away magically. <laughs> I'm Magic. ready for anything. <laughs> new relationship um, energy causes all of the chemicals to do all of the things. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I remember, like, when I started, you know, seeing my now husband, early on, we were having sex four and five times a day. Oh, wow. And yeah, (laughs) which I had never had before. And it was great. But the whole time I was just like, you know, you should know this isn't going to last. Like, I understand you've got a, a great sex drive. 
But for me, I know from past experience, we might have this for two or three months. Uh-huh. And then it's very quickly going to taper off. And it's going to be much, much more difficult for me to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. So once we hit that point, you know, obviously, like, foreplay becomes that much more important and things like that. But But we also started trying to figure out other solutions. So that's when I first went to my gynecologist and was like talking about about what was going on and um she suggested coconut oil mm. as a really like harmless lubricant yeah. to use for whatever um so i started incorporating that in so whatever kind of um it, you know touch or whatever that's like always next to us so <laughs> we've got something ready to go yeah but yeah i i mean i think i know there are conditions that make it difficult for people to have vaginal intercourse um, in terms of like dryness and things like that. And it's possible at this point that something like that has developed on top of the fact that I've got dryness everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's gone It for a while. Like we would have intercourse and it was just a lot of talking back and forth about checking in about if things were too uncomfortable. And then I, I don't know, probably three or four years ago, it sort of got to the point that it was more, generally more painful than it was worth to even try it. Mm. So at this point, we both, like, I've I've got the, um, what are they called, like, dilators mm-hmm. that you're supposed to, like, you know, I've gotten that for my gynecologist too. So those are the tried- things that you ins- you start very small and you insert larger over time. Right, right. So yeah, so I'm relatively small and it's been a long time. So they're like, this is, you know, this is a tool you can use to sort of desensitize yourself and make it easier or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the problem has just been like, we're both busy people and haven't wanted to prioritize that. Uh-huh. I am sure at some point when we have more free time, like we're going to put more time into trying to get that back. I would like to think in the next year or two, but right now sex for us, you know, it's, it's non-traditional. We do all sorts of interesting <laughs> positions and configurations. And I continue to be amazed by um, how creative my husband is at finding new ways to simulate all sorts of things. But, um, but it yeah. doesn't include so- penis and vagina sex. Exactly. I'm going to pause here for a second and do a public service announcement for listeners about lubrication. <laughs> Because I I was under the mistaken belief for a long time that if I wasn't lubricated enough to enjoy penetration, which was most of the time, um, there was something wrong with me and there was something wrong with my body. And that if I needed external lubrication, that meant that there was some failing on my part. And I'm here to tell you from the future, that is not true. <laughs> All of our bodies are different. Our body chemistry is different. As you've been saying, Sarah, um, over time, our chemicals, like it's really easy in the beginning of a relationship to have a lot of lubrication um, for some people, not for everyone. But uh, it, when all your chemicals are running and everything is new and exciting, it's likelier that a lot of lubrication will show up. As we get older and as we get further into a relationship, those things might change. Um, when I finally discovered that, oh, wait, using lubrication is a thing, <laughs> I then had a really, really hard time finding one that worked with my particular body chemistry because the off-the-shelf ones are just a total shit show for me. Um, I have very sensitive skin and they're a nightmare. So here are a couple of pointers. As you have mentioned, coconut oil is fantastic. It's all natural. You can get it organic off the shelf. There is some question about whether it breaks down condoms. So if you are in a relationship where you're still using condoms, you can use it all over your body. Uh, it does delightful things for your skin. Um, <laughs> but if you're having intercourse, it may not be the best choice for your lubrication for intercourse. There are several options for all natural lubricants. 
all of which I have tried. And, or I should say, all of the ones that I know of, I have tried. And I have found one in particular that works for me. Um, and it's called Isabel Fay. I'll put a link to all of these in the show notes. I find Isabel Fay to be like, I keep a big bottle of it right by my bed all the time. It's the only one that doesn't irritate my skin. There's also Uber Lube, which comes in a clear bottle so that you can see just how clear and delightful it is. There's Good Clean Love. And there's another one that I am blanking out on right now. I'll put all of that in the show notes. If you have difficulty with dryness and with lubrication, I really recommend that you try some, try some, oh, Sliquid is the other one. That's uh, Sliquid Organics. Um, experiment. Uh, they're, you know, they're not as cheap as the ones off the shelf in the drugstore. But when you're talking about your skin and your sex life, I think it's worth it. Okay, end of public service announcement. (laughs) I'll chime in a little bit on that. Um, My skin's also super sensitive, which is why I was led to the coconut oil, because yeah, I was having issues with with a lot of over-the-counter stuff. And my gynecologist actually has told me at this point that she's advised me to use coconut oil before I go to bed every night. I actually apply it every night because of my dryness. So yeah, so even though I'm not like, doing penetration on a regular basis, I am taking steps to try to just keep everything happy there. So when you say you apply it, what does that mean? Are you applying it to your external genitals internally? What are you doing? Yeah, I do external and I do a little bit internally. as well. Do you use that as a type of self-stimulation or is it just sort of very practical? Usually it's very practical every once in a while. I mean, I mentioned like at night, I'm just super sleepy. Yeah. So like, usually if I get inspired to touch myself, it's like sometime in the afternoon. Like, it's not, <laughs> or maybe in the morning, like I had a good dream, you know? <laughs> Before we finish up, let's get the lowdown. The questions we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you have sex during your period? Usually no, Um, though I told you we have sex in interesting ways. So we might, you know, we might not use the vagina, (laughs) but still do other things. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, given that sort of PIV penetration is mostly off the table for you, let's ask the question, how do you define sex now? Now I I define sex as any time that we are like taking off our clothes and like touching each other, connecting with each other. I love that. I wish everyone defined it that way. I think that should be the new definition. Anytime that sexual energy is moving, period. Absolutely. Awesome. Do you prefer the orgasm from masturbating or from sex with another person? (laughs) Sex with another person. That's the only way I've achieved. So you still have never orgasmed through masturbation. Oh, wow. Nope. And, you know, I've tried toys and all sorts of things. Uh-huh. Nope. Do you enjoy receiving oral sex? Yes. Even now with dryness issues that that can be pleasurable for you. Yeah. Um, depending on how I'm feeling, there's typically, you know, there will adjust what we're doing based on what does and doesn't feel good. But yeah, my partner's great about me like, Oh, please don't go there right now. That's not working. Yeah. Do you ever worry about how you taste or smell? I used to. I don't anymore. What's the difference? I just feel like it's part of getting older that I just don't care anymore. I mean, I think part of it, too, is that, you know, I have a partner now that we talk about stuff. We've had all those conversations, you know. Yeah. So I've certainly noticed, like, oh, if you eat certain things, like, (laughs) it affects the taste or whatever. Yeah. But, but yeah, my, my partner is so on board whatever the circumstance that I really don't, I really don't worry about it. And we've talked about it. So I know that. Sarah, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for showing up and telling all of these stories. It's been really fascinating. 
Thank you. This was fun. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>